Each spring, Pensacola Christian College hosts the Enrichment Retreat designed for pastors, ministry leaders, and church staff to enjoy a time of rest and to be refreshed by the Word of God. Today's message was from a past Enrichment Retreat keynote speaker. Visit enrichmentretreat.com for details or to learn more about the upcoming retreat. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalm 86, the 86th division in the book of Psalms. If you open your Bibles and go there with me, I love this Psalm. It has helped me. I hope it helped you. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I'm poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I'm holy, O thou, my God. Save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods, there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore, for great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of valid men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, and gracious, and long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. That'd be a good place to say amen. Oh, turn thou unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou, Lord, hast opened me and comforted me. I love reading the Psalms. I love studying the Psalms. I love preaching from the Psalms. I love memorizing the Psalms. I love quoting the Psalms. They are just good for me. I try to make the practice in my own life to read three chapters of the Old Testament, three chapters of the New Testament, one proverb, and five psalms a day. I love psalms because it's hard to stay in the dumps of depression reading through psalms. Because the psalms are centered around the character of God. And no matter how bad things are going in your life, when you get your mind on God, it always gets better. So I was reading through five psalms on a certain day, last year sometime, and I got to Psalm 86. Undoubtedly, I'd read it before many times. I knew verses in this psalm. There were verses that stood out to me. This psalm had ministered to me times before. But on this day, probably because what I was going through, what I was dealing with, on that day in my life, Psalm 86 came alive. 
Aren't you glad we serve a God who's given us a Bible that's alive? And based on what we're going through and what we need, God's not dead. Somebody say amen. He's alive and he knows what we're facing. He knows what we need. He knows what we encounter. And we can read a passage we read before and verses we're familiar with and a text we've preached, we've preached from. But on that day, God can say, this is what you need. And oh my, he gave me what I needed. I'm reading a psalm written by David. I love David in the Bible. I love how he came on the scene. He ended up being famous, but he wasn't looking for fame. (laughs) He was just doing his job. Uh, We don't need to seek fame. We just need to stay faithful. And there he was doing what he was supposed to do. And God found him when Samuel looked at all the other boys and didn't get a word from God. There was one in the back. He was a shepherd boy and he brought him forward. He was anointed the king. He ended up being that giant killer. He ended up being that great psalmist. He ended up being that wonderful leader. He ended up being that great king. And I love reading and studying the life of David. And yet, though he did so many things right for God and set us a great example of how to live for God, I sense David in Psalm 86 under pressure. David the king wanted to be the best. David the father wanted to be the best. David the general wanted to be the best. David the friend wanted to be the best. David the psalmist, David the counselor, David whatever wanted to be the best. And yet I can imagine he felt himself scattered. I'm trying to do well here, but when I'm well here, I'm struggling over here. And when I'm struggling over here, I'm doing well here. But when I'm doing well here, I'm struggling over here. And I imagine he found himself all over the place. In this chapter, he makes a statement in verse number 11 that stood out to me on that day and helped me. He asked God this very thing, unite my heart to fear Thy name. And we understand when we see the word heart in the Bible, we're not referring to that uh, anatomical organ in our body. We're referring rather to our mind, our emotions, and our will, where we think, where we feel, and where we choose. And I can imagine Daddy David and King David and Husband David and Leader David and General David and Psalmist David felt himself some days where his mind was over here and his emotions were over here and his will was over there and uh, if he could ever get all of them in the same spot on the same day maybe he could do something for God you ever felt that way scattered scattered everything in me wants to be the best daddy I can be everything in me wants to be the best pastor I can be everything in me wants to be the best friend I can be everything in me wants to be the best mentor I can be and yet trying to be the best at all of them is a challenge Have you ever come to church with your body in the building and your mind was somewhere else? Have you ever sat at the dinner table and your wife said, you're here, but you're not here? You got home, but I'm waiting for you to get home. Have you ever been talking to someone and your mind was in one place, but your emotions were somewhere else? Have you ever felt like, God, I'm trying to live for you, but I'm being pulled and I'm being prodded and I'm being pressured and on every front? Listen to me, I've never enjoyed serving God any more than I enjoy serving God right now, yet I've never felt under more pressure in these last days than I feel right now. And I just wish that God would take all of me and dial it in. And yet David understood, I'm a human being. I can't control where my mind goes and where my emotions go and where my will go. They're just all over the place.
place, but there is a God in heaven who can somehow corral them all in together and with your omnipotent hand, your omniscient mind, and your omnipresent character, with your eternality and your immutability, God, grab that mind, dial it in. Grab those emotions, dial them in, and line up that wheel in the same spot. And when you get all of me together, unite my heart to fear thy name. Oh, my soul, we need it. We're trying to get our churches together. We need to get ourselves together. May God help us. May these next couple of days, God send us home with united hearts, with our sights set on him, fearing God's name. I want us to listen in on David and see if we can join in with him. I want us, perhaps, college student, maybe your grades are well, but your devotions are low. Maybe your devotions are great, but your relationships are sour. Maybe your time management is at a high, but your grades are slipping. If you, could, if you could ever get your mind, your will, your emotions, if you could ever just get dialed in on serving God, and if ministry would not just be a chore, if you could ever get to the pulpit with your mind on your message, your emotions on your message, and your will on, oh, wouldn't God use us? Don't we want our whole hearts to be dedicated to God? Here's the problem. We can't get it together, but God can by his grace, I trust he will. Unite my heart to feel thy name. Notice, if you would, Psalm 86, David's desperate plea. Listen in on him, would you? Bow down thine ear. God, I need heaven listening. <laughs> I'm talking. And by the way, it's good to talk to God. But what good is it to talk if he's not listening? He said, God, bow down thine ear. Oh, tune in to me. I need an attentive connection with God. There are just some places coming down 85, coming down 65 where the phone won't work. And you're in the middle of a good conversation. And sometimes I'm talking to somebody and every time they get to the same spot in that conversation, the phone goes dead. You wonder how we can live with them or how we can live without them. There are just some spots where you don't have a connection. But aren't you glad that you can always have a connection with Almighty God? Here's what David said. I need an attentive connection. Why? Because I have an adverse condition. I'm poor and I'm needy. Now listen to me. I know we're pastors. I know we're missionaries. I know we're evangelists. We're supposed to have it together. But let's just let our hair down, take our halos off tonight and admit to God and each other. Sometimes we are poor and needy. God, I need your able conservation. Preserve my soul. God, you got to keep me, protect me, keep me going. I don't know about you. If I'm serving God today, I'd like to be doing it 10 years from now. (laughs) I'd like to still be married to the same woman. Amen. I'd like to still be living by the same biblical principles. I'd like to still be preaching the same Bible. I tell you what, I need God's preservation. Listen to me now. I don't mean to sound morbid, but they're dropping like flies. And they're not just novices. They're people who've done it for 40 years. And all of a sudden they wake up and they turn their back on the ministry. And they turn their back on their marriage. Why? Somewhere along the line, they weren't preserved. They didn't line up with God. I'm telling you, if I never speak in another meaning or sign another Bible, I want God. God to preserve me. Don't you? How much do you ask him? When's the last time we were desperate for God? We want a sermon. Oh, yeah. We want organization. We want growth. But how about God? God, I need your able conservation. Why? Because of my acknowledged consecration. He said, preserve me. Why? For one reason. For I am holiness. I won't tell you holiness still counts for something. Amen. 
Holiness still counts for something. By the way, in the day of ministry, when we size up ministries by what they run and who they run with and who they have and who they preach for, could I tell you in heaven, holiness still counts. And it still matters when a man will love his wife and will commit himself to purity and consecration. And it still matters when he has a check on his mind and a check on his uh, social media. It still matters when a family will live for God. And I'm glad that the preservation of God is not contingent on how big my church is, but it's contingent on whether I may a choice to be holy. Mm. God, I need your applied compassion. Notice he says, be merciful unto me. I don't know about you. I need mercy. Amen. I think more than six of you agree with that. I think we need mercy. I need mercy. Jeremiah was a pretty good man, wasn't he? Better than most of us. Guess what he said? It's of your mercy that we're not consumed. God, if it were not for your mercy, I would mess up. Come on now. Now, I know, I know we're in the ministry and we sometimes complain about all the people that are against us and everybody's trying to destroy us and there are a whole lot of them out there. And I'm telling you what, I thank God. I thank God that he protects me from danger, seen and unseen. I thank God he protects me from enemies. I thank God that he protects me and preserves me from the devil destroying me. But I'd like to tell you the biggest person that God protects me from is me. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you how he does it. It's of his mercies. Oh God, I need your applied compassion. Notice the abundant cry from David. I cry unto thee daily. Where has prayer gone? I've known many a preaching man that fail, but never a praying man. May God help us to win battles on our knees. The activated cheer. He's desperate. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. <laughs> Rejoice the soul. What do you need to rejoice? A check in the mail? What do you need to rejoice? A handshake with some in it? What do you need to rejoice? An approval from the county? What do you need to rejoice? A speaking engagement from the brethren? David said, I'll tell you what I need to rejoice. I need God to rejoice my soul. Have you ever been alone with God and God just made you happy? Amen. I mean, have you ever just been in that Bible? Nobody looking, nobody listening, nobody tuning in, nobody testifying, nobody recording, nobody absolutely praising you for your spirituality, but you were just there. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the unseen hand of God took that soul and just gave it a little pickup that Red Bull couldn't give you. I'm trying to tell you, he said, God, I need you to rejoice my soul. And there's nothing like being a man of God. Happy about serving God. I can't tell you how many Christians I meet doing the right thing with a sour attitude. I'm here. I don't want to be here. Pastor, I came to church. You better be glad I came, but hurry up and finish. You need listen, you don't need a check. You need God to rejoice your soul. Hey, you, need, you need God, amen, to put his hand where the preacher can't get his hand, amen, and rejoice your soul. You, 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 you need open soul surgery. Come on now. You need God, and I'm telling you, the world will make you have a thrill for a moment, but God will rejoice your soul. I feel a preaching storm coming on right about The aimed call for under thee, O oh Lord. I lift up my soul. We had to get back to lifting up our soul to God. There's nothing wrong with being vulnerable before our maker. He knows everything anyway. Come on. Aren't we just kind of weird when we kneel down and pray in code? Kind of saying words, hoping that God doesn't know exactly what's going on, like he didn't know what was happening before we ever got there. Hello, God, it's me. I sure do love you. And he's going... (laughs) 
you know, and, and, and like he doesn't know. Can I tell you? Let me tell you something. David said, I aim at you. I know where my help comes from. 121, I lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help coming from the Lord, the Lord which made heaven and earth. Aren't you glad that God is the one to whom we pray? And aren't you glad he hears our prayers? I ask you tonight, you want your mind dialed in, your emotions dialed in, your will dialed in. Get desperate. Number two, not only his desperate plea, but notice in his heart being united to fear God's name, (laughs) he engaged in directed praise. We've gotten away from desperate pleas, but we've gotten away from directed praise. Have you lost your praise? Has your church dotted every I, crossed every T, but failed in praise? God help us. Praise is manifested in different ways, but in every Christian, there should be praise. I tell our people, you don't have to clap your hands. You don't have to stomp your feet. You may not be a hanky waver, an aisle runner. You may not be a shouter, but gracious alive. God's been so good. Every once in a while, you ought to grab, grab an offering envelope and write down amen. But good gracious, I mean, where, where, where is the praise? Where is the praise? I've heard people say, I'm just not really that praising type. Then you take them to a ball game and you find out it ain't, they're not the praising type. They're just not like that with God. I'm going to tell you something. God's, God's not a ball team. God's not a Republican or Democratic party. God is God. Amen. I want you to notice the convicted expression about God. Why are you praising God, David? I'll tell you. Listen to what he said to God. Verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good. Aren't you glad he's good? He didn't wake up this morning and say, I think I'll be good today. He didn't schedule for the next year to be good. He he didn't place himself at being good when it's convenient. He doesn't try to be good. He doesn't manage to be good. He is good. I'm glad he's a God of supreme favor. I'm glad he's a God of steady forgiveness. He's not only good, but he's ready to forgive. You ought to be glad that God doesn't do like we do. I forgive you when I find out you're sincere about it. I forgive you when you apologize and you have some regret on your face. I forgive you when you phrase it in a way that doesn't sound like last time. I'll forgive you when you start doing different than the last time you got forgiven. Aren't you glad that he's ready to forgive? Amen. He doesn't ration. He doesn't meet a quota. He doesn't go, I'm tired of forgiving you. I'm glad he forgives us. He's a God of supreme favor, of steady forgiveness, and of splendid forbearance, plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. I'm glad that he's got enough mercy to go around. The, the convicted expression about God. Notice the committed expectation concerning God. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Attend to the voice of my supplications. Oh, my soul. God, I'm going to have constant prayers to you, but I'm going to have a confident persuasion about you. And here it is. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. You ever been dialing somebody you knew that they, they, that they knew you were calling and wouldn't answer? I mean, sometimes you can see them. You can, you can dial, you can see them pick up the phone, look at your name, maybe even your picture. And no, I don't like to be ignored. Do you? And yet people do it all the time. And our phones make it very convenient, don't they? I mean, it's just as easy to ignore as it is to answer. Sometimes I tell, 
I tell my wife, let me save that number. Why? So I know to ignore it. <laughs> you can't know not to answer somebody if you don't know who's calling. Somebody say amen for call ID. Amen. And some people just ignore you. But I'm, I'm glad that David said, not only will I pray, but my persuasion is you will answer. And notice he said, in the day of my trouble, aren't you glad that God answers when we're in trouble? Yeah, I mean, preachers get in trouble. Why do you think they bring a lawyer in every year? Preachers get in trouble. <laughs> and everybody makes friends with the lawyer. You think I ain't going to get his card? You better believe it. <laughs> Aren't you glad when you can't get a hold of the lawyer, you can get a hold of God? Amen. In the day of trouble, God, I've got a committed expectation about you. I've got a convicted expression about you. I've got a confessed exclusiveness about you. I love this verse. Verse 8, among the gods, lowercase g, among the gods, and there are more of them that we can count with a lowercase g, but there's only one that we can count on with an uppercase g. Among the gods, there is is none like unto thee, O Lord. He said, I'll tell you what gets my mind, emotions, and will back in the right place when I start praising God for being the one true God. Muhammad ain't like him. Buddha ain't like him. Mary ain't like him. The Pope ain't like him. The priest ain't like him. The cow that used to be your grandma ain't like him. I'm telling you, he is God and God alone. And we act like he's dead sometimes. Exclusiveness of God. <laughs> He's a God of singular worthiness and superior works. Great are thy works. Wow. The candid exclamation about God. Yes, you're God alone. Thank you, Lord, that you don't need anybody to help you be God. His desperate plea, his directed praise. Now I want you to notice thirdly, his diligent pursuit. Verse 11. Teach me thy way. God, I want to be a good husband. God, I want to be a good father. I want to be a good pastor. Listen to me. One of the highlights of my week is the thrill that I get three times a week. At an address, 5811 Hoffman's Lane, Bayless Crossroads, Virginia, 22041. At the address of the Crossroads Baptist Church. Where the providence of God has divinely placed this man. There's no place I'd rather be preaching than Crossroads Baptist Church. I'm thankful. I'm thankful to pastor the people of God. But can I tell you that when those people fight 95, our church is situated three miles south of the Pentagon. When they fight that traffic and fight the cost of living in Northern Virginia and situate their bodies in Crossroads Baptist Church on one of those pews in that sanctuary, they need more than just some opinions, some rhetoric, some buzzword, or some fundamental nomenclature. They need a man who's been under the stout where the glory comes out who will give them the word of God. And I found out all of the how-to conferences in America will never be a credible substitute for Almighty. God to literally teach us his way. Here's my genuine desire, David says. I need supernatural information. Teach me thy way. God, if I'm going to be a student in Bible college and get from the classroom 
to the pulpit. Teach me thy way, O Lord. If I'm going to find the right spouse, teach me thy way, Lord. Thy way, O Lord, how to court. Teach me thy way to lead young people. Teach me thy way to counsel church members. Teach me thy way to submit to my wife. If you're a wife, to to submit to my husband. If you're a wife tonight, I'm telling you, we need to get back to where we truly need God's way. He said, my genuine desire is for supernatural information. But listen what he said. Not only do I want supernatural information, I've got a servant's intention. Teach me thy I will, Lord. I will walk in truth. You know what I'm finding out? A lot of people want to learn, but few want to live. Have you ever ever preached on Sunday morning a message and asked people how many God spoke to you and they put their hand up? And some of the same ones that said God spoke to them on Sunday morning didn't come back Sunday night? And you're going, you heard it, but what'd you do with it? I'm wondering if God doesn't let us learn more because we're not living what we've already learned. Teach me that way. God, you show me how to be a better husband, I'll be one. You show me how to be a better daddy, I'll be one. You show me how to be a better pastor, I'll be one. You you take me to Richmond retreat, you you show me how to be a better leader, I'll be one. But listen to me, David said that before he ever got the information. You know what we do? God, tell me what you want me to do. I'll evaluate how it fits into my convenient agenda, and I'll let you know if it's working out. Let me tell you something. David said, before you even tell me, I'm asking you to tell me, and I'm already telling you I intend to walk how you teach me. Oh, my soul. Wouldn't we be better learners if we'd be better livers, and if we'd live out what we already know? Maybe God would tell us something else. How much of the Bible are we failing to live before we ever arrived at enrichment? And here we are on the way down. God, give me something. Give me something. And he's going, what are you doing with what I already gave you? I have a genuine desire. I have a guaranteed decision. Verse 12, I will praise thee. God, I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'll tell you what I will do tomorrow. I'm going to praise thee. Amen. Let's just make up our point. We're going to praise him. Not thanking him for what he's done, but praising him for who he is. I will praise thee. Notice his glad devotion. I will glorify thy name forevermore. There's something about that name. Amen. And in these last days, we need to glorify his name. Too much is done for man's glory and too little is done for God's glory. And then notice, if you would, the grateful declaration. Great is thy mercy toward me. Thou hast delivered me, my soul from the lowest hell. Have you gotten over your salvation? I know. These are ministry leaders. We, not, we didn't come here to talk about the joy of being saved. We got a whole lot more intense work to do. Can I tell you, not, tell you what? Too many Christians have put their salvation way too far back in the rearview mirror. Were it not for the grace of God. Listen to me. Listen. Come on now. There was a day you wouldn't be caught in an enrichment retreat. Tell the truth. Come on. There, there, there was a day when some of us didn't even know there were 86 chapters in Psalm. And more after that. <laughs> Amen. There was a day we, wouldn't, we, we never thought we'd be doing what we do now. But the grace of God looked beyond our faults and saw our need. And when there wasn't a rose red enough, there wasn't a lamb white enough, there wasn't a man good enough, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. For by grace we've been saved through faith in that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. He gave unto us eternal life. We'll never perish, neither shall any man pluck us out of his hand. He's the resurrection and the life. We believe on him 
though we were dead, yet shall he live. For God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, and we were saved. For with the heart man believeth in the righteousness of the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is the record that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I'd like to tell you we better remind the reins of our brains that God delivered us from hell. Were it not for his grace. Not only would we not be in the ministry, we wouldn't be alive. And because of that, David says, my pursuit is to know you more. I'm almost finished his distressed predicament. God, I love you. God, I want to do better. God, I'm all over the place, but if you'll dial me in, I'll do better. Well, God, I'd like to tell you about some people that they don't love you like I do. Watch this now. And I kind of hear David saying under his breath, they get on my nerves. You say that's not in the past. I'm preaching. Be quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen how he, how he describes in verse 14. Oh, God, the proud are risen against me, against me. He describes them as rising adversaries. Do you have any back in your town? Do you have any rising adversaries? Some of them work at the county. They rise up every time you want to build something. Yeah. If they build a casino, they'd be glad to let them. You try to build a church and they'll do everything they can to stop you. They're rising adversaries. Uh-huh. Some, some, of them, some, are against, some of them are against your family. They attack your spouse and your children. They're rising adversaries. Listen how he describes them. They're raging assemblies. Notice verse 14. The assemblies of valiant men have sought after my soul. Do you think that serving God puts a bullseye on your back? You better believe it. Amen. All you young men that are in college and trying to get into ministry. <laughs> they got a fork and a knife. <laughs> a steak knife. Amen. And, and they're, 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 listen, there are people that because you walk with God will want to hurt you. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we find ourselves as recipients of that treatment and no wonder our minds are all over the place. He says they're rising adversaries. They're raging assemblies. They're engaged in rebellious antagonism. Notice they are men that have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. Notice what he's saying. They're people that don't like me and here's why. They don't like me because they don't love you. You have, you have been preaching? <laughs> Not only knew that people like that existed, but you spotted them in the middle while your sermon was going on. Huh. This is one of the times where your mind is one place, your emotion somewhere else. Your mind's on your sermon. Your emotions say, let's chase that rabbit right there. <laughs> right there. And before long, you'll be preaching at the rabbit and missing the congregation. You'll be grinding an axe. Is anybody listening? Some of the nastiest, meanest, most unkind people I know are independent Baptist preachers. Listen to me. They line up with Jesus on position, but they're way off from Jesus on disposition. You know why? Because they can't concentrate. They might, I tell our church all the time, I don't have Facebook. I don't have time for Facebook. 
and I'm not against it. I mean, do what you got to do. I think more Christians need to get off of Facebook, get their face in the book. I'll tell you that. But I'm here, to tell, I'm here to tell you, one of the reasons I don't have Facebook is because I don't want to be preaching a message and in the middle of my message spot a member whose Facebook page I've been on that throws me off my message. I don't want that battle as a pastor. And when antagonism is coming towards you, And you've got to try to stay on track. Notice David says, these kind of people are gathered around me to destroy me. Rising adversaries, raging assemblies, rebellion, rebellious antagonism. But my righteous assurance about you in spite of them is this, God. Verse 15, you are God full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, plenteous, and mercy and in truth. They want to destroy me, but God, you've got my back. You can spend the rest of your ministry trying to defend yourself and run down your enemies or you can spend the rest of your ministry doing the work of God and letting God handle them. (laughs) He does a much better job, doesn't he? Notice lastly, if you would, he gave his righteous appeal in verse 16, but he ended this message with what I call a distinct petition. Show me a token for good. (laughs) You ever been there? You ever just want a token from God? No, no. God, you don't have to fix the whole thing, but just, just give me a token. Not, not a whole meal, but I, I, I wouldn't mind a little piece of bourbon chicken on a toothpick. You ever been to the mall and got one of them pieces of chicken? Walking down the mall, mall you didn't have time for a whole meal, but boy, boy that, that chicken on that toothpick. Now, y'all can act dignified if you want to, but you know, you tried to walk back again and hope they didn't know you'd already been through that. <laughs> Put a hat on your head and get another piece. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know what, you, you know what tasting that piece of chicken on that toothpick says to me? Mm, boy, that chicken's good. And guess, guess what? Somewhere back in that kitchen, there's a man who knows what he's doing. And he got a whole bunch more of them pieces of chicken. More than just one on a toothpick. He can put a whole bunch of them in a box that can hardly close. And the juice will sink through the box. Praise God. Amen. You, you know what it says to me when I get that piece of chicken on that toothpick? There's plenty more where that came from. And David said, I need a token for good. I just need a glimpse that you're still in control. That the devil's not pulling the strings on my puppetry. That you're still in control. You remember old Ruth? Ruth went out there to glean. Here she was, a stranger coming back into a foreign land with her mother-in-law who was bitter, her dad-in-law who was dead, her husband who was dead. And yet here she is in a land where she didn't belong from a heathen land where she was from but she said I'll go out to glean and she gleaned in the field of the richest man in town and he told the boy something different about that girl leave her some handfuls of purpose that's a token for good you ever been ready to quit tap out and get discouraged and out of nowhere God said I got a toothpick with some chicken on it to let you know somewhere back in the kitchen there's plenty more where that came from that's what David said I need a token. You ever had a week where you just needed a token? God, just let me know. I I know it ain't going to all go away today, but I'd just like to know you're out there looking out for me. Show me a token for good. Wow. That's, That's his request, sincere. But not only did he have a sincere request, he wanted a very specific recognition. You remember them? Remember those folks he talked about in 14, rising, adversary? 
raging assemblies, rebellion, rebellious antagonists sitting there on the front row ready to eat you. You ever felt like that? Forking a knife and they're banging on the table. Preacher, preacher, let's eat him, eat his wife, eat his kids. Ah, ah. You ever feel like that? Okay, you don't have to admit it. I know your business, all right? There they are. There's, there's, there's David. They're sitting on the front row. Sometimes the more I live for God, the more I feel under attack. And in these last days, it's only going to get worse. He said, they're on the front row. They got a fork and a steak knife, and they're ready to eat me. He said, but God, instead of complaining about them being on the front row, ready to eat me, it's good. Give them some popcorn so that they're the first ones that see when you bless me. Watch this now. Show me a token for good that they may see it. And sometimes we get among other preachers, and all we ever do is talk about how bad it is, how tough the ministry is. Sometimes fellowship meetings are depressing. We have a couple up in our area. I don't go to them. I don't go to him. I mean, if I'm trying to do better in the ministry, I ain't going there. I'm, I'm, t- I'm just being honest with you. Oh, brother, I'll tell you what, the people of God just trying to destroy me. I quit every Monday morning. It's just rough out there. Bless God, I feel like a, a man in the wilderness. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, good night. What happened to the goodness of God? What happened to the blessings of God? He added favor, and there, there's, no, there's no embarrassment about it. I want to tell you, yeah, they're ready to destroy us, but thank God that they've got a front row seat to find out God blesses his children. Hey, somewhere I hear the same man writing something like this. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. (laughs) Shazam. Now, I know you're headed back to a town, to a city. Listen, they'll be waiting for you when you get off the plane. Uh, uh, I was in Richmond. Yeah, but they're the same people that will witness the token for good. Show me, God. And then he kind of says, oh, yeah, why you at it? Show them too, that they may see it. A sincere request. Their specific recognition. Here's the subsequent result, that they may be ashamed. <laughs> Listen. You let the people in your town watch God bless you. They'll think twice before they mess with you again. Have you ever had them come around? Pastor, we used to be an enemy of this ministry, but God kept blessing y'all, and we finally decided if, if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> and even if they don't necessarily join, a lot of times they'll stop attacking. Show me the subsequent result that they may be ashamed. And here's the sure reasoning. Because thou has hoping and comforted me. You've been my hope and you've been my help. My, my, my. You ever feel like you're all over the place? Trying to dial it in. I'm here, but not really. I'm preaching here, but I'm already... Where I'm headed tomorrow. You ever been there? You ever felt like you needed to send your mind ahead of your body to prepare prepare you? (laughs) You ever been there? Mind, you go ahead to tomorrow. My body will be in today, but by the time I get to tomorrow, you have the table set for me, mind. You know what it means? That your body is not going to do what it needs to do today if your mind has already traveled to tomorrow. 
and, and your emotions, good gracious alive, they're all over the place. You tell your emotions to sit down there until you come back, you turn your head, and they have left faster than the speed of light. You find yourself laughing in one minute and crying in the next minute. And you're a man, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and you're going, what's happening to me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> then you start going like this. <laughs> All right. And you're going, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be doing this. God, I'd I, I bring my emotions with me, but I, I turned my head and I, they left. And when they show up, they don't always show up at the right time. But God, I'm so confident in you that you have the ability to take my mind, emotions, and my will and centralize them. And it is, epitomizes what my prayer is. There's a lot of things I need from God. Oh, my soul. Every one of them going to be taught on this week. We need them. But would you hear me like I heard David in Psalm 86 that morning? And would you join us in that prayer? It's helped me. I hope it helps you tonight. Unite my heart. Get all of me fearing you and whatever you have me to do, God. I'll be better at it. You've been listening to a message from the Pensacola Christian College Enrichment Retreat. You're welcome to pass this message along to others, but we ask that you do not charge for it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. If you're a pastor or ministry leader, join us for the next Enrichment Retreat and experience a time of physical rest and spiritual refreshment. To learn more, visit EnrichmentRetreat.com.